So you're launching your business. But how do you know how much you're worth? Do you know your value? Are you nervous when you're asking for the cash? Do you even feel a bit guilty asking for the money? What's your opinion of the word salesman? What would it take to become the hero of your own life? To build the business you've always dreamt of? To make money doing something you love? It's time to take control. Can we get on with making money and having fun now? I'm not doing it if it's not fun. Join the rebellion with Alan Donegan and welcome to Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur coaching series. And the whole purpose of these episodes is that we coach a brand new entrepreneur with launching their business and you get to learn alongside them about your business and implement the same lessons for you. Now, this episode is all about sales, pricing, getting comfortable asking for the money, feeling confident and getting out there and charging. So if you've got a product, a service, something that you've launched, but you haven't yet charged for it, this is the episode for you because it talks you through value-based pricing, getting comfortable and sales. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Now, we met Brittany at the pop-up business school in Charleston at the beginning of the year, and she was launching, or she had actually, a side hustle business in career consultancy. Uh, so let's meet Brittany. So my name is Brittany, and I'm with Cornerstone Career Solutions, and I sell career consulting services to men and women aged 25 to 35 to help them propel their current career, explore a new industry, or find their dream job. Cool. That was really concise. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with your business at the moment? So, so far I've helped 13 or 14 individuals with resumes, LinkedIn training, job interview training, things like that. And most of them, if they've decided to, they've gotten new jobs or been promoted in their current field, which is awesome. And then I've also done small business coaching for some friends who own small businesses so the problem I'm having right now is I just love helping people. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing, but sometimes it's to my detriment because it takes a lot of time to do what I do and I don't charge anything for it. Uh. So getting to the point of saying, hey, what I'm doing is valuable and my time is valuable. How do I transition that and then sell it to people when my heart is just to you just them. want to help. Yes. So the 13 or 14 people you've helped so far over the last year or so or? About six to eight months. About yeah. six to eight months. And no one's paid yet. Correct. What's been the feedback on the service? It's been great. Everyone has been super thankful for my help and they've just been overjoyed. They've referred me to other people, which is why it's up to that number so far. That's cool. cool. So you're getting referrals. People yes. are saying you must go and see Brittany. Yes. So that's awesome. And it's, you know, word of mouth is one of the best forms of marketing. So it's really great to have that and to have that kind of established group of people. But I just feel bad in a way asking for payment because some of the people who I'm helping are searching for jobs because they're not making enough in their current career or they just feel like they're really struggling in a lot of areas of their life. So I kind of come in and help coach them through some things and then help them match their skills with the job that they desire. Because a lot of people don't necessarily learn that uh, in school. They're told to go to the career center and they'll help you write a resume, but they don't 
understand how to then take the skills and the knowledge that they learn in their current job and relay that to other positions. They kind of just get stuck in that mindset. So you've helped a lot of people. You're getting referrals, but at the moment you're operating a charity. Yes, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So I've got a couple of thoughts for you. One is there's many different ways to get paid. And two is the best way to do good is to have the resources to do good. Because if you don't get resources to pay for your mortgage, to buy food, to look after your family, can you continue to do this? No. Eventually, what I want to do is transition away from the job that I'm currently doing and do this full time. And in order to do that, I need to get paid to do it because it does, you know, it does take a lot of time to do the research and make sure that the information that I'm giving people is helpful to them and their current situation and, you know, their specific plan for their life. So how are people's lives better off after you've helped them? So the feedback that I've gotten from people whom I've helped is that they feel more fulfilled in their career. They are happier going to work. They're not dreading the alarm going off in the morning. They're excited about their job because they're doing something that they actually enjoy. So most of the people that I've helped are people who graduated from college, got a job, you know, which is what we're told to do, right? The traditional model. And they've been in that job for four, five, six years and just kind of feel stuck. You know, it pays them a decent salary, but they really haven't gone anywhere. There's no room for growth. It's not really what they want to do. It's just kind of what they got when they (laughs) reached out and applied. So I've had a lot of people who've been really happy with the help because they've been able to take what they're passionate about and then actually do that for a job versus just going in and punching the time card, you know, to get a paycheck. I love that. Thank you. So let's imagine I was 28. Well, mm-hmm. let's imagine you were 28-ish. You might be. Who knows? I won't go there. <laughs> uh, let's imagine you're 28. And I said to you, I can help you leave the job that you don't really enjoy I can help you find fulfilling work, you'll earn good money, and you'll feel good. Mm -hmm. It will cost you $100 an hour for the coaching to do it. I would be willing to pay for that, but I know the value in it ahead of time. So while I do get the referrals and people understand the value from what other people have experienced, they don't know if it's going to work until they try it. Have you asked for the money? No. Not Um, yet. I've asked one person... So a friend of mine owns a small home-based business where she has an Etsy shop, and I helped her last year, and she reached back out and said, hey, the coaching that you provided me last year was super helpful in my business. Could you come back and coach me again and coach me as if I was just starting? Because when I first started, I was kind of winging it. I didn't really know what I was doing. Could you kind of teach me from the beginning? And so I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. And now she's turned her business around from losing money to now being successful and getting orders and actually bringing in some income for her family to help out. So I asked her, would that be something that she'd be willing to pay for, you know, for my services since she's already seen the benefit of it? And she said, yes, absolutely. Cool. So you've got a positive response. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what do you think stops you from asking the next referral to pay for the service? I feel bad charging for my time. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. There's like a guilt complex, I guess. Whenever I ask for money for anything, I was the worst having to fundraise in school because (laughs) I always felt so guilty asking people for their money. I don't know. My heart is just to help. And it's really hard to turn that into something that can generate income. But it's something that I need to do to get me to the place where I can do what I love every day. So there's 
kind of two levels on this. There's the logic level and mm-hmm. then there's an emotional level when mm-hmm. you actually do it. When you stare someone in the eyes and ask for the money, that's the bit. We need yes. to get you so you logically know it's okay. Do you logically know it's okay to ask for money for your service? I do. Um, there was I'm, a long pause yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I understand the value and I've noticed, you know, it's something that other people pay for and they pay decent money for it, honestly. If you look at what other people charge to be career coaches or have a business coach, I mean, it's a chunk of change, but the value in it is astronomical. So it's worth it. If you know that you're getting someone who is going to come in and care about your business enough to want you to be successful. So I I do know intrinsically and logically that there is value in, in asking for it. It's just for me personally, I have a, like a cringe on the inside when I go to say, well, would you be willing to pay for this? And if so, how much? Or, you know, if I pitch the price, I kind of like curl up on the inside. It's like, I'm not sure if what I'm asking is the right amount. Is that going to turn them off? Or because I don't know necessarily what people's budget is or, you know, how much value they want to to pay for the service up front. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you will Mm -hmm. never know like you can sure. ask, yeah. what's your budget? But if you're asking an individual, they don't normally have a budget. They don't normally have an idea. They just have a problem to solve. And can you help me solve it? If yes, how much? And how much is normally dictated by the person that is offering the service? They can ask for a discount. They can pull a strange face. They can raise their eyebrows and look at you. They can do all of that. But you start with the price. The price has to start somewhere. And actually, when I was first pitching pop-up and training courses, I would say to people, well, the price depends on what you want. And I wanted to understand everything they wanted. But then another part of me and their expression was telling me I sounded a bit like a politician avoiding the answer. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable. So at a certain stage in the first year or so, I got comfortable just saying the price. And in the first year, it was something like, I can't remember exactly, it was around about 20 grand to run a pop-up business school, and that's in pounds. It's a big event. And I had to get comfortable looking someone in the eyes and going, these things cost 20,000 pounds. What you get is this, this, and this, and it will create these results. And then I have to be confident doing it. Do you think the first time I asked, my insides were revolting? I'm sure. Yes. Like, yeah, I get a spinning motion feeling and yes, like I'm, go- yes. I'm looking at their face going, I've said 20 grand. What is the reaction? Are they going to fall it- over? <laughs> What's going to happen? Have they raised their eyebrows? Yeah. Let's take a slightly different example. Very first time I ever sold to uh, Microsoft, mm-hmm. I was selling the course. I met the guy over lunch. We had a fantastic conversation. He was exactly the right person to buy what I was doing. We made friends. He seemed interested. Then he asked the dreaded question at the end, which is, so how much does this cost? And I took this big breath and said, 950 pounds. And I tried (laughs) so hard to keep my voice certain. And then I knew that the first person to speak afterwards was the one that didn't do so well. So I had to shut up. And I'd I'd almost like metaphysically, I clamped my hands over my mouth because I can't speak after that point. And I tried desperately to go 950 pounds, not 950 pounds right? (laughs) with the questions. Like, I'm really unsure. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it's the certainty. And I looked into his eyes. 
and I could see I said the wrong thing. You know, the face mm-hmm. is changing. He's thinking. The pause felt like an eternity. It was probably only about five or six seconds, but it felt like it was hours, like, <laughs> maybe three days. I'm sat there going, "Are you going to say anything? Your face is telling me I've done the wrong thing. <laughs> Just say something." And eventually, he said, "Okay, how about a thousand and fifty, and we'll do a deal." You never get anyone offering more. No, I kind of looked yeah. around. Like, what, what happened? Yeah. I don't understand, but I shook his hand immediately and said, we'll do it. We ran the pilot. They paid. I was really happy with that amount at that point in my career. It wasn't actually until a couple of years later I was finding out they were paying 10 to 20 grand a course. And when he heard 950, I was so low that he thought, is this going to be any good? And I think it's really interesting when thinking about the price we very regularly just judge the other person's reaction to be it's too much. But you don't actually know what's going on with them. None of us can mind read, even though we like to think we can. So we need to say the price, stay silent, and see what they say. Have you practiced doing that? I have not, no. Is that something that you would recommend I practice out loud just to myself maybe to get comfortable with it or... Practice out loud with yourself, ask me, ask people in the course, ask your husband, your wife, whoever it is, ask them, ask your kids. Like if I'm going to help you get a good school kids, you're going to have to pay for this service. It's at least 12 biscuits. I don't know, whatever (laughs) it is, but practice saying it out loud, you'll get comfortable doing it because there is a bit of you're attaching a value to your services. And I think the distinction that I failed to make in the early years is people are paying me and it felt like it was like I'm selling me, but you're not, you're selling a service. So they're paying for the service. But that distinction is really important. They're not rejecting you. They're not saying yes to you. It's not you. It's the service that you have in front of you. And that distinction helped me to go, okay, they're buying the service. I'm performing the service. It's still difficult because it gets personal if they don't like it or if something goes wrong. That's still going to happen. But that distinction of it's the service. So I think we've got to get used to asking for it. Yeah, that's a good distinction because especially as the sole person in a company, it's hard to distinguish that what you're selling isn't yourself. It's a service that you provide that could be provided by other people as well. And making that distinction, I think, definitely is important because it would help also if there is any rejection so that it's not so personal. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not asking, well, the only way to not get rejected is to not ask anyone. That's true, and I have not yet been rejected. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. We've got 100% success rate. Let's see if we can get that down by the end of the week. Uh, (laughs) Good goal. (laughs) So do you have any leads at the moment? I do have people that I've that I'm currently still working with okay. who are in the transition. Cool. Yeah, and then I've met some people this week at Pop-Up, which has been phenomenal by the way. Yes, thank you and your team. So I've met some people here who have been interested or who know other people who are interested in the services that I provide. So that's really cool. That's awesome. So What's the next action with your business? What's the next step? Do you have a pricing list, a package? I don't currently. I have an idea. Yeah. (laughs) 
I have an idea to do packages and to offer different things with the packages and then for the coaching piece to offer it as not a single hour because I don't feel like there's there's not enough value that I can give someone in an hour because most of that time is spent hearing what they need. Listening. Yes. So listening and not really being able to provide. So I want to do a package deal of maybe like three months of two calls a week or a call every other week, depending on the schedule and work that out for people to, to see what's most valuable for them and then put a price based on the amount of time spent. Cool. So let's go through those packages in a second. Just before we do that, one of the things you said about not shoring about where's the value in the first hour because I'm just listening. If you ask a good question that makes the person think and they speak, is there value in that? Like just getting them to think in a different way, even if they're doing all the talking, it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, that I've seen one question that yeah. unlocks. Yeah. Now I've seen that. I've asked certain questions and then it's kind of like an aha moment for the person. And they're like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And that, you know, so you're absolutely right there. That's true. And sometimes it's just the question. That's all you need to do is ask the question. They go, oh, I should do that. And that's enough to unlock it. And it's really interesting. I think there's huge value in the questions, in the engagement, in the listening, even just helping someone to think through the problem they're facing so it's clearly defined can help unlock the door to get to the next level. So there is value in what you do. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Even that first session. <laughs> so like, run me through the packages. Imagine I was a client. I'm 41, so I'm not 25, but imagine okay. I'm 30. Yeah. I'm in a job I don't particularly like and I'm stuck. I can imagine this very well because I was there for many years. Mm -hmm. Probably during that age span. Actually, I, I got fired at 28 and that was what yeah. inspired me to do my own thing. So, yeah, the job I don't like, I'm stuck in it. Mm -hmm. Late 20s, I earn okay money. It's never enough. It, it, right. That's normal. Right. But I earn okay money and I've got a job I don't like. So tell me about the packages. What can I buy from you, Brittany? So based on your need, we would determine if you already have a resume or not. So we could develop one start to finish. We could take one that you have and recreate it um, and craft it and tailor it to the jobs that you're looking to apply for. And then there would be some coaching in that too, to help you understand the knowledge and skills that you have and how that parlays to particularly like a different industry or a different job. Because a lot of times people feel like their skills have to stay in that industry, in that career field. And that's not always the case. A lot of times it's almost always, actually. It's transferable to other industries and things. So there's a little bit of coaching in the resume development as well, kind of together. So there's resume package only. There's resume, cover letter, and interview training. So that would be kind of a step up. And then there's an additional package where we could add in LinkedIn profile and understanding of how LinkedIn works um, and build that virtual resume and help you get seen by recruiters. So that would be another package. And then there's also an additional, because a lot of times people don't have a lot of time. And when they search for jobs, they kind of just put in jobs on Indeed and select to get the emails and just kind of see what comes to them. And that's not necessarily the best value of results, I would say. So there's another package too where I can help find jobs 
that you're looking for in your area or the area where you want to be and send opportunities with the resume tailored to those positions. So that would be an advanced package because that takes wow. a lot that of time. That takes a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. So do you do anything that helps people access the hidden job market? Is that a concept in America that exists, the hidden job market? Not really, that I've seen at least. So, so it's not something that I've tapped into. In the UK, they talk about the job market that goes on the job boards. Mm -hmm. By the time it's gone on the job boards, they've already spoken to everyone in their company. They've spoken to all their friends. They've tried to recruit in a different way. Right. The hidden job market is the jobs that never make it to the job board because it goes to a friend, it goes to someone they've spoken to. Most of the jobs never make it to the job boards. I mean, that is true, yes. You know, I guess in that regard, I've helped people who've been with big companies and they see an internal posting, because like you said, they post it internally first. And I've helped them feel more confident going to the person who's posted the job and saying, hey, my name is Jim, I'm really interested in this job. Here's how I, you know, my skills, how I can fit into this. So when companies are looking to apply from or to fill a position from within first, because there's a lot of value in that, there's less training costs, for example, with systems and things like that. So helping them see that they're valuable enough to get into that position. I've done that before. Okay, cool. So you've got the CV or sorry, the resume package only. We do both here. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people say resume, but the CV is also. Important. I'm glad you're here to translate for me. It's okay. So you've got CV only, you've got CV and covering letter mm -hmm. and a bit of coaching. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the sort of advanced package, which was the CV, the covering letter, the LinkedIn. And then you've got CV, covering letter, LinkedIn, and helping you send them out and finding jobs. Correct. Yeah. Cool. So let's say I was interested in the advanced package, the final one with the helping me send the letter out. I'm busy. I've got to do my current job, but I want to find a new one. How do we start? How much is it? What do we do? So that usually, it does take some time. And then also maybe the job that you're looking for isn't readily available at that moment. So it might not be something that's open if it's super specific. So we would talk about timing and like when you plan to transition into that space as far as pricing goes, from what I've looked at to try and gauge my own pricing, it could be anywhere from $1,500 to $3,500. And when I say that out loud, I'm like, that could be someone's whole paycheck. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but if you break it down by the amount of hours, you know, that I would put into it. Pause. What you're justifying is what you're putting in. What I think we should justify is what they get out. So this is value-based pricing versus hours pricing. Because you're going, I'm going to work X hours. I want to earn X dollars. Right. This is what I want to do. But what's the real value? Like if I was actually buying that, let's say I spent two grand with you. Do you say grand in America? Yes. 2,000. Yes, grand uh, is <laughs> Let's say I spent two grand with you. Like what do I get for that? How's my life better off? You have a job that you actually enjoy going to in the morning. Um, more than likely, you are making more money as well. So is it a jump to say that I might get a job that pays me £2,000 more a year? No, that's fairly accurate. Yeah, usually from the people that I've helped so far, it's been anywhere from probably an 8 to 15% increase in their annual salary. So me putting in a two grand amount will get mm -hmm. me 8 to 15% more on my salary and make me happy. 
I don't guarantee any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't guarantee happiness. Yes. Maybe you should. Guaranteed <laughs> happiness. Because, uh, uh, you know, the person has to put in the work, too. They have to perform well in the interview. They have to really Which uh, this is part up. of the contract. Yeah, absolutely. But for the people who've done it and who have followed my advice, that has happened. Okay. Do you so, think yes. if people are putting $2,000 in, they're more likely to follow your advice? Absolutely. Yeah, they have more skin in the game, for sure. Yes. Paying customers are way more likely to yes. follow through than customers who are going, well, I, I'll give it a go. They almost feel like they're helping you by being your first <laughs> like demo clients as yeah. opposed to you helping them. Right. It's a whole different relationship when you charge. And the price you charge actually affects the type of client you get. Yes, that's true too. So do you think that $2,000 for me to get an 8 to 15% on average, and no, mm -hmm. it's not guaranteed, price rise. <laughs> disclaimer. And to be happy, yeah, asterisk, disclaimer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to be happier in something that matches my skills and to have help through that process. Do you think that's a lot? I think it's worth it, personally. Feels like a bargain. Yeah. Especially if you, you know, if you do follow the steps and you do get a different job making more money, then it pays for itself. Yeah. You sounded a little bit unsure there. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it pays for itself? Uh, it, it, it pays definitely for does. itself. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> like, it feels like a really good deal. What's the only way to know if it is a good deal or not? Test it. Test it. Go out there, sell it, people buy it, and then get the feedback afterwards. Right. That's the only real way to know if it's a good deal or not. So I think the bit I'd love to come back to is value-based pricing. If you're talking an 8 to 15%, like you've got some proof. You've helped mm -hmm. 13 or 14 people. Mm -hmm. On average, they've made 8 to 15% more. So you can say to the person, okay, what's your salary? If you added 10% to that, mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle. Right. Uh, so if they're earning 50 grand a year, they add 10%, that's 55. So it's worth 5 grand more to you on average to do this. Plus, you'll be happier and I'm charging two. Is that a good deal? I think so. Yeah. And I think it's looking at what the value is, not looking, you're looking at how much am I being paid an hour and feeling a bit guilty, like, mm -hmm. oh, they're paying me $30 an hour and like... They're making, mm -hmm. you know, 22 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having to work two hours for one hour of my time. But the return, and that's what's critical, it's the return. That's what we've got to focus on. So when I'm selling pop-up business schools... If I focus on they're paying that huge amount of money for this business school, and then I start to justify in my head, well, we've got four staff and we hundreds of hours before promoting the event and the right. support afterwards and all that. If I start to justify it that way, I'm basically tying my income to the hours we work. What do you think I focus on when I'm selling a pop-up business school? The value that you provide. I mean, it's huge. Honestly, you can't really put a price on it because the amount of people that you reach is, you know, and then they can use the skills that they learn in this school over the two weeks to then go and help other people and multiply that. So, I mean, it's kind of endless. So you help 100 people in the room, you help them start businesses or decide not to and focus mm -hmm. on their career. Yeah. They then inspire their partners and they tell people the ripple effects are huge. Yeah. If you inspire someone to get a job that they enjoy, what's the other benefits? It's not just 8 to 15% more and they're happier. What's the other benefits? Well, they're happier in their life, so their relationships improve and their anxiety and depression goes down. The mental health aspect is huge too. 
what happens to their employers? Their employers, their new employers are are happy because they have someone who's committed and loyal and enjoys doing what they're doing. So they're not going to work grumbling every day and filling the office with, you know, negative, negative energy. energy. And what happens to their old employers? They find another person to fill that spot and, you know, Who hopefully they're hopefully a happy. better fit. Yeah, absolutely. But if you've got someone in the wrong place in your company, I tell you what is septic. Absolutely. I've run a small business. We've had a couple of members of the staff that it's not gone well and it has sucked the life out of our business. And if I had someone like helping that person to realize it's not the right fit and help them find another job, it would have solved me a problem. I would have actually loved that. (laughs) Maybe I should just hire you to get rid of the staff that like it's not working with. (laughs) I'd be Um, happy to help you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) That's none of the current ones. I love you all. Uh, but does that make sense? Yes. Like the value you are providing is huge. And I need you to feel that. Yes. And feel confident saying the value of this is massive and it's way beyond a small pay increase and happiness. Mm-hmm. It helps everyone that you're working with. Yeah. And the concept of the value-based pricing is huge. And that's something that I think maybe Americans especially struggle with because so much of our worth is tied up in our jobs. And, you know, we look at ourselves as like our value is what we get paid and we get paid hourly or it's a salaried amount and you can divide that to figure out how much you make per hour. So that's a model that I've always followed because that's corporate careers in the past. And that was always like, okay, well, the boss would say, I think you're worth this amount per hour. He's basically saying you are worth yeah. And that's kind of what we tie it to, or I at least have tied my work to for sure in the past is what that price is that someone is willing to pay for my time. But I've provided value to those companies that far exceeded the money that they paid me per hour for my time. And I know that. And I can say that confidently because it's true. And you can go back and ask them and I know that they would agree. So switching that model and looking at it based on the value that you provide I think is brilliant. It really is. Awesome. So what's the next steps with this business? What are you going to do now? I have ideas, but like, what do you, <laughs> what do you think we do now? Based on the conversation today, what's the next step? How can we get going? So the next step is uh, launching the website and putting those package items up there, getting it out there in front of the world, asking the people who I've helped already to share about it. They've already been super awesome and willing to write reviews for me based on the help that I provided them. So that will be really beneficial to already come in with some positive reviews. But yeah, I think the next step is definitely dialing in the pricing and just putting it out there, you know, and like you said, I mean, the best way to do it is test it. So if I put it out there and it's shared, hundreds of people look at it and it's crickets, I don't get anything, (laughs) you know, maybe I need to rethink my prices. But that's one way to figure it out is to just kind of get it out there and see if people are willing to pay for the value that I'm going to provide them. One thought on that is when you first launch a business and you put your website out there, It's unlikely that you will win business directly through the website immediately. You might get the odd email, which is excellent. Actually, it took me years to get people coming (laughs) to me. I had to go to them. Mm -hmm. Sales is all about going to the people and finding the people that need your service and offering it to them. We need to go out there and find them. Mm -hmm. So what? Like the website is great, but that's not a proactive move. Mm -hmm. That's a, I'm going to put the website up there. And wait. Yeah. 
So what's a proactive, what's the proactive? Because I think you're right. That's a great step. Get the packages up there, get the pricing up there, mm-hmm. get people to put referrals, testimonials, get that done. But what's the proactive step? So proactively, I would ask for more referrals, ask friends and family, let them know what I'm doing and ask them to please refer people to me who they know could benefit from my services. And I've also thought about going to local economic development centers or like homeschool associations and things like that and offering to do a workshop to teach these skills because I think that it's something that a lot of people kind of overlook or don't really have access to those resources. They just kind of pull a template from the internet, fill it in and hope for the best. And (laughs) that's not always the best way to find a job that fits with what you want And I think that, you know, we spend the majority of our days at work. Most people do. And to find something that you truly enjoy and love can really change your life in a positive way. And I think that maybe hosting a workshop or something can get me out there in front of more people and help them learn these skills and use it to change their life too. Yes, absolutely. So we've got put the website up with the packages, share it everywhere. Mm -hmm. We've got do the workshop Mm -hmm. for those two groups. And the third one is ask for referrals. How are you going to ask for referrals? What's the specific thing you're going to do? I'm going to go to the people who I've helped already. What do you mean by go? Are you going to get in your car and drive to them? Uh, I'm probably going to call them. Stalk them? <laughs> I'm not going to stalk them. Turn up them. at their office. <laughs> Hi! Show up at their front door. <laughs> um, so you're going to ring them on the phone? Yes. I'm a little old-fashioned. I think that text and email can get dismissed really quickly because people are overloaded with those. So I prefer to call and I have no fears about that. That Um. (laughs) is absolutely the way you should approach it, is get on the phone. Yes. The one thing I can tell you is that if you want something done, phone is the tool to do Mm -hmm. it. Emails can get lost, they can get ignored, they can get misplaced. Phone is the way to create action. Yeah, so I love that. So you're going to ring them. Yes. What's the first, what's the initial approach? So you've got 14 people to ring. Yeah. So I'm going to just connect with them. Hey, how are you? How's everything going? Ask them about themselves first because that's important to see where they are. (laughs) Is the job still good? Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to make sure they're still happy, obviously. And, you know, then I'll say, hey, I just want you to know I've decided to launch a business doing what I did for you. Would you be willing to please refer me to three or five people, friends, colleagues, that you may have worked with in the past or currently work with who you think that my services could benefit. Would you do that for me, please? I don't think I'll have any trouble with that. I think people are going to be willing to do that because they've seen the value in what I've provided them. That's awesome. I love that. How will they know who to refer you to? I think that in general, people just, we like to talk to our friends and some people like to post on social media about, you know, unhappiness in jobs and things like that. So I think that it'll be pretty intuitive to know who can benefit from that just from anyone that's grumbling about their job (laughs) anyone who mentions the sunday night feeling yes that's a great referral for you Mm -hmm. the monday morning can't stand waking up (laughs) memes or whatever you know yeah the coffee memes (laughs) uh, yeah so i think that will be um pretty easy to find because you you know there's a lot of people especially in america trying to work towards the american dream right the bigger house the bigger car things like that, that aren't necessarily what maybe we should be working towards, but it's what they desire in this moment, that feel like they're going at the daily grind, struggling every day to get there. I can come in and help with that as well. I love that. 
So you've got three specific actions. Can we check in in a week or so, or maybe a week and a half, and find out how it's gone? Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. I won't be in Charleston, but we yeah. can do it on the phone or we can do it some other way. But yes. I'd love to know, because I think that's really important, mm -hmm. is we've come up with a plan or you've come up with a plan. I've just sat here and listened. You've got <laughs> a helped. plan. You've got some actions. Then we've got to do it. Mm -hmm. but it's the same as with your clients, isn't mm -hmm. it? You need it to is. then check back in and go, how'd it go? What happened? What yeah. did you do? Take my own advice. Is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all like that. Yeah. People sometimes go, Alan, why are you so good at business? I'm like, well, I've been going to business courses every day for the last <laughs> 10 years. Um, I, I hear my own advice in the courses and go, I really should do that, Alan. Yes, yes. <laughs> but that hearing the advice and quite mm. often we know what to do, mm -hmm. but it's getting us to do it. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. So we'll check in and uh, we'll set a date. We'll speak again in a week and a half and yeah. we'll work out what happened. That would be great. Excellent. Cool. Next steps. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm genuinely interested that bit about the pricing. Mm -hmm. Do you think we've got to a point where you're comfortable just starting to ask? I think so. I've got some figures in my mind. So I'm going to draft it out and really write it out so that it gets out of my head and on paper and that'll make it more real. And then you know, I'm going to put it out there. And I think another thing I may do too is go back to the people who I've helped and say, would you have been willing to pay this price for the service that I provided and the value that you received and see if that's something that they think is reasonable? Can I say, don't do that? Sure. Like who cares if they say it's reasonable? They're a different client. That's they true. paid a different price. Just ask people to buy the new stuff. Okay. The retrospective stuff. Mm -hmm. We are confident you did a good job and we are confident right. people got value and you're going to ask for referrals. That right. will tell you everything. If they refer you to 10 people, you know you nailed that. I would just forward focus. I don't think that that feedback is actually going to help you. That makes sense. I understand that. Cool. I've done that before. Would you pay this? It's like, well, that they'll be nice to you, but that doesn't actually help you. That's a good point. That's like asking your mom, would she... <laughs> Yeah, mum, do you like my hair? She's going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want honest feedback. I don't want nice feedback. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which the only time you get real honest feedback, when you ask someone to take their checkbook out. Mm -hmm. People don't have checkbooks, but you know what I mean. The credit yeah. card, the money, the dollars. Right. That's the, the only mythical time. Checkbook. The mythical checkbook. <laughs> Where are these checks? Yes. <laughs> but yes, the only time you get the real feedback is when you say, it costs $2,000. Mm -hmm. When can we start? Okay. And then the awkward pause. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. Now. We can start yeah. now. <laughs> cool. Now, we actually waited a little bit longer than a week and a half. We actually waited two months to catch up because of coronavirus and all sorts of things getting in the way. But Brittany had promised to launch the website, get some reviews on it, do some workshops, get out and ask for referrals. And I guess the big question is, did Brittany ask for the money or did she keep doing it for free? And that's the real question I wanted to know. So many times I give advice at the workshops, on coaching calls and in different places, and people don't follow it because it's tough. Like it's scary going out there and asking for the money. It's scary ringing people up. It's scary getting into the sales and doing it. And people feel nervous about it. And I understand that. And it's really interesting. But if you don't do the things, you'll never grow the business. 
And this is what I wanted to say to all of you listening to this podcast is you need to actually go and do it. So the advice from this podcast is ask for the sale, work out what your value, go and sell it, get out there and do it. If you don't do these things, nothing will happen. And the people that I love to coach, the people that I love to work with are the ones that come back to me a week later and say, well, I've done all that, Alan. What's next? It worked or it didn't work. Actually, last night I got a call from Kelly, who you met in episode five, who is the airsofter. And she'd rung me up about a week ago with a problem in her business and asked for some advice and ideas. I gave her some advice and then she rung up last night and told me how the situation had actually turned out far better than she imagined. And that makes my heart sing. So what I would love for all of you listening to this podcast is to actually go and do this stuff. Like get out there and do it. Launch a business, ask for the sale and tell me whether it worked or not. And we will celebrate. And I don't care whether you were successful or not. I care that you tried because in trying, in failing, you'll come up with the next version and make progress. And that's what I really want. So the question is, what happened next for Brittany? Did she ask for the money? Did she ask for the sale? Did she charge? So we spoke about two months later, and let's find out. Right. How long has it been since Pop-Up in Charleston? Pop-Up ended on February 28th. February 28th. And we had a chat, Brittany, mainly about sales. That was our main thing, was how do we sell this stuff? So I'd love to know what's happened since. So since Pop-Up, I took... This year had a leap day, so February 29th, and I launched my business with that extra day, <laughs> put it out there into the world based on, you know, the principles of pop-up, done is better than perfect, just get it out there. So I did, and that was really, really exciting, and I had a lot of support from family and friends excited about it for me, which was really, really cool and um, really encouraging. Yeah, sales was definitely my tough spot. The biggest struggle point I had was charging people for helping them because I just love doing it. And that I will say is still sometimes a struggle. I do have pricing down and I feel comfortable with it, which is great because that was a big pain point that we discussed. So thank you for your help with that and the courage that you gave me. But yeah, since then, Cornerstone Career Solutions has had its first and a few other paying customers. Congratulations. Which- Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Super exciting. And I will say the first customer that I had was still a little bit of a challenge on the sales side. I just wanted to help so much. And especially with everything that's going on right now in the world, people have lost jobs. And this particular person was looking for a new job and did not have a job currently. So we did some career consultation and interview coaching, and I just really wanted to help him. And a couple of weeks later, he sent me an email and said, hey, just wanted to make sure I didn't miss an invoice from you. And, you know, <laughs> feel free to send it to me however you want me to pay. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he was asking to pay. He was like, please, was, please charge me. Yes, he was asking to pay. And that proved to me that he saw such value in what, you know, I helped him accomplish and what I walked him through. And that was really encouraging. And so I said, well, I'm never going to let another customer have to come to me and ask to be paid. You know, 
<laughs> yes. So that was kind of a wake up. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did he get a job? What happened to him? So he went through the final rounds of interviews and they have not decided yet because they put it on hold, but he was the top candidate. They did tell him that. Awesome. So he's just waiting until after COVID to get on with the next step. Exactly. Yeah, it's for a bank and it would be an in-person position. So they're waiting till the coronavirus and COVID-19 stuff kind of dies down a bit. So have you enjoyed the first few clients and working with them? I've loved it. Absolutely. And what's been the highlight? So with every customer that I've helped, I do kind of like an initial consultation to kind of figure out what their pain points are, what their needs are. And then I'll have another longer call with them where we talk about that and kind of implement some strategies to fix whatever is going on or to help coach them through difficult situations and things like that. And then after that, so for example, if it's interview coaching, then after the interview, I have a debrief call and say, you know, let's talk about how that interview went. Did you feel better than you did the first time? You know, what changed? What's good? What's bad? And the highlight for me is doing the debrief calls because I get to hear the joy that each person has after they've implemented changes and they've seen the positive effect that it's had in their lives. I love that. I love that. And how does that make you feel about wanting to do more? Oh, on top of the world, it just, it really is super exciting and empowering and it just makes me want to do it so much more. You've earned some money. You've had some customers. You're still running this as a side hustle. Yes. But what are the plans for Cornerstone? Has it given you the bug? Are you are you in or are you, what? what's the plans? Yes, the bug has definitely bitten, so to speak. <laughs> and I definitely see that this is something that I can scale up in the future. And I have total control over, you know, how I scale it and when I scale it right now, since I'm the only one doing it. I want to, in the future, bring on additional people to come work for me or with me is like how I prefer to say it at Cornerstone. And that way we can create a team and they can handle, I can train them on how I do certain things and then they can take their skill sets and the knowledge that I can share with them and use that to help other people. Because I think that's the best way to do it in the future is to empower other people to help others so that it can reach a, a bigger and a broader audience. I love that. And I love that your focus is helping people. Are you planning on making any money whilst helping people? (laughs) I do plan on making money. Something else I've offered during this coronavirus pandemic crisis that's going on is if someone has lost their job due to this, I have offered to help them free of charge. And I'm in a position to be able to do that because this is a side hustle right now. And I want to always have the ability to take time out of my schedule to help others who truly need it and who cannot afford the help. In order to be able to do that in the future, I am going to have to charge for help as well. Um, So just finding that balance and, you know, effectively too, another thing that Cornerstone wants to do is give back at least 10% of all money made. So not just profit, but 10% off the top of any dollar that's given and donate that to causes in need. So we've been doing that as well with the money that's come in so far, donating it to a local organization here who helps out and is distributing food in the community to low-income neighborhoods and people in need. I love that. And actually, it's really interesting because you've brought up one of the key messages that we love to hit a pop-up is 
if you want to do good, it's far easier to do good with money uh, mm-hmm. than it is to do without. If you want to distribute food, well, you need to buy food and have trucks and go see people. And that makes it a lot easier if you earn money. And actually, one of the best ways to help people is to earn money and do good stuff. Absolutely. And that's something that I'm really starting to learn because I'm only one person. But if I have You're the a money... You're cool person. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm only one cool person. <laughs> but if I have the money and the financial ability to be able to multiply what I could do on my own, then it can go so much farther. And that's something that I've really thought about. And one of the main, another main reason why I know that Cornerstone needs to make money to be able to give in other ways. I love that. What's the one biggest thing you've learned through this sales experiment? I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is that people want to pay for a good job. They see value in what we do here at Cornerstone and they truly want to support that and to support the mission as well. And so that has been really eye-opening too, especially, like I said, with that first customer saying, hey, I didn't see an invoice and I really want to pay you. I can pay you all these different ways. Let me know. You know, So knowing that people find value in what I'm doing and it's not just me saying, oh, I'm good at this. It's other people are saying, wow, this was really helpful and that's the goal. So seeing that has just been phenomenal and that has really transformed my view on sales and made it not so negative and salesman with the briefcase view that I've had my whole life. (laughs) It's really interesting because the thing I worked out a few years ago was the more I sell, the more people I can help. And I feel there's actually a direct correlation between sales and making a difference in the world if you have a good product. And well, if you don't have a good product, you probably shouldn't be in business. But if you go out there, every time I sell a pop-up business school, I get 100 people to help start businesses and I make a real difference. Every time you go and sell, you get someone to help them progress their career and make progress. And I think, I don't care what it is, sales helps people, helps you and makes the world go round. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's definitely a big lesson that I've, I'm learning. I'll say I'm, I'm still continuing to learn it. Because sometimes it's still hard to be that pushy person, you know, pushing the invoice across and saying, pay me for what I did. But I'm definitely getting better at it. Well, I think that's one of the misconceptions is sales doesn't have to be pushy. Yeah, It does not have to be. If you've done the work up front and explained the value and they see the value and they agree to pay and you do a good job, sales is actually, it's really easy. I think sales doesn't have to be scuzzy. It just has to be you finding someone with a problem, showing that you can fix it and asking for the cash. And that's basically what sales is. And the more comfortable and excited we get about it, the easier it is to grow our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. And I think that sales can be a very pleasant experience. You know, I don't feel like the grocery store clerk is pushing me or making me, you know, feel negative about buying my groceries, I enjoy that transaction because I know that I'm getting food, which is, you know, necessary. And so I think you're right. I think that sales can be a very pleasant experience. And that's something that I'm definitely going to focus on. I actually get excited when people sell to me properly. I get excited. It's like, oh, you've got a cool project. You've got a cool product or a service. Tell me about it. And I think you get to the stage where if sales is done well, it's a pleasure. 
And you go, okay, I understand why I need this now and I'm willing to do it. Sales is done badly. Well, sales is often done badly. That's why it has the reputation it has. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yes. What's next for Cornerstone and for you, Brittany? Yeah. So Cornerstone is going to travel with me when we move. It is going to continue to be a focus for me to grow it and develop it into something that eventually I can scale up and bring on other people onto the team to effectively help, you know, more people and positively impact their lives. And the goal right now is to just continue focusing on career consultation and also open up into business consulting and business coaching as well. That's something I can coach other people to do it, to do sales. And I've had success coaching other people to do that. One of my clients actually sold out completely of one of her pre-orders for Easter that she decided to do amidst all of this craziness. So that was really awesome. It's just, I need to start taking my own advice and your <laughs> advice and the advice of all the other great salespeople in the world and start implementing it. But yeah, that's, that's what's next for Cornerstone, just to continue positively affecting other people's lives and continue to grow in that way. I love that. So if the audience want to come and find out, maybe they've decided entrepreneurship is not for them after running a mini experiment. Uh, <laughs> where do they go to to find out about you, Brittany? Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Cornerstone Career Solutions. And also our website is www.cornerstonecareersolutions.com. Perfect. And please do keep us up to date with what you're up to. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alan. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. So Brittany did it. She asked for the money. She made it happen. We should celebrate. And I think it's quite interesting that she didn't actually ask for the money for the first customer. The first customer came to her and said, uh, how do I pay you? Which I think is excellent. People want to pay you if you do a good job. And I think that's critical to know. I want to pay. If someone does an amazing thing for me, I want to pay. I want to reward them. Because if I don't reward them, they won't keep doing it. And people know this, like they want you to be in business if you do a great thing. They want you to deliver that service, to deliver that product. So that's one of the main things I'd love you to take away from this episode is people want to pay you if you're doing a great job. Now, there was a lot of content in this episode from value-based pricing to being confident, to asking for the sale, to sitting in the awkward moment. But the one message I'd love you to take away is sales is a good thing. Sales enables you to make a difference in the world, it enables you to go out there, sell your product or service, make a difference and do good stuff. And the more you sell, the more money you make, the more people you get to help and the more difference you will make. And I think that reframe is what really changed life for me with sales changes the game. It builds your business. It helps you get out there. It helps you make money. Every person you sell to should be better off afterwards. That's the whole purpose of sales and business. And it's an exchange of value. They give you cash and you give them value in different ways. So sales is a great thing. And what I would love you to do is to go out there and sell because the act of selling helps make the world a better place 
and helps you build your business. You've been listening to Rebel Entrepreneur with Alan Donegan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get new fresh episodes as soon as they've launched. To stay up to date with the rebellion, visit choosefi.com slash rebel. Thanks for joining the rebellion.